And now, God, open my mouth so that I can speak. Open our ears so that we can hear and open our hearts so that we can change by your power and through your grace. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, confession time. I have to admit that sitting in my warm, dry house this past week in my comfy chair with my dog Dixon curled up at my feet, reflecting on this passage while preparing for today was kind of eye-opening, and if I'm being honest, kind of made me sort of uncomfortable. And I could swear that I could see Dixon kind of giving me side-eye as I thought about the blessing and privilege of my own life and where I was in all of this, like he was saying, yeah, Dad, you really need to listen to this. Why do I have all this blessing? And what does God want me to do with it? I would venture a guess to say that I'm not the only person to hear this passage and wonder where I fall on the blessed to woe spectrum. But I kind of think that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. We're nearing the end of our reflections on what the epiphany means, what it really means to have Jesus alive and present among us, to have God visibly manifest in the world we live in. As we explore that and consider Jesus' teaching in this passage, the setting of this scene becomes critical to our understanding. Jesus comes down from the mountain where he's been praying, and Luke tells us that he comes to a level place where he puts himself right there in the midst of all manner of people who've come to him seeking healing and release from whatever holds them back. He's not above them, looking down on them sort of the way I am now. He's with them. And Luke is also careful to tell us that all, all who came to him were healed. Nothing was withheld from them. When Jesus begins to teach, he flips the script from what many of us think we understand about being blessed by offering a not so new but rarely understood declaration of God's blessing. Now, Many of us are familiar with the Beatitudes from Matthew as part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Here in Luke, as part of the Sermon on the Plain, the list is shorter and more focused than what we find in Matthew and probably less comforting to those of us with privilege with this sort of point and counterpoint delivery. Blessed are you, but woe to you. Why does Jesus give us these words? What's he after with this contrast? If we take a closer look, what might, me, what might we take away? Is it possible that Jesus is trying to get us to take a look at our own connectedness to God and to each other so that we might find a more expansive understanding of what it means to be blessed and also what it means to be a blessing. As you might 
suspect I've been looking back on my time at St. Wilfred's, thinking about so many of the powerful moments we've shared in this space, in our shared life together, and about so many of the incredible moments I have been privileged to be a part of as a result of my ministry here. As I reflected on today's scriptures, I found myself thinking a lot about something that happened shortly after I arrived here. Some of you may have heard this story before, but I think it bears repeating. I had been asked to attend a meeting of the school board of the, uh, the school board of the San Juan Capistrano Unified School District. I was asked to attend this meeting in the context of my being a clergy person working in Orange County and in my capacity as the chairperson of the Bishop's Commission for LGBTQ plus ministry in the diocese. While kind of complex, the core issue at hand was whether or not to allow a gay straight alliance group that had already been around for three or four years to continue meeting at a middle school. A parent had recently become aware of the group's existence and had started some very aggressive anti-gay issue uh, efforts and had petitioned the board to shut the group down. The room where the meeting took place was packed with standing room only. Several members of the board even remarked that they couldn't remember a group so large that had gathered to speak around one issue. Over 60 people signed up to speak, most of whom were students who either had benefited from the group or who were currently members. One by one, these gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, non-gender conforming young people stood before the board and emotionally and powerfully spoke their truth. They spoke of being bullied and ostracized at school and for many of them at home too and of their need for safe spaces and a place to feel accepted and connected with others who were experiencing the same thing. The visual impact of these amazing, but due to their age, often physically small young people standing in front of the rather imposing presence of the school board up higher than them on this giant dais was profound. No matter how many people packed that room, it was clear who had the power and who did not. I can't get that image out of my head. Then I thought about all the times in this space where we've renewed our baptismal covenant, including our promise to seek and serve Christ in all people our commitment to strive for justice and peace among all people and to respect the dignity of every human being. I believe that is what Jesus is after with his words today. He wants us to see our connectedness as one human family. He wants us to see with the eyes of our hearts that God's favor is available to all people. He's offering hope to the poor, the hungry, the oppressed, 
by reminding them and us of God's relentless promise to show up for everyone, especially the least of us. He's also calling those of us that may not find ourselves in any of those categories to be careful of getting too comfortable with our own possessions and position of privilege. These words echo Jeremiah's message as well. And if we look at Jesus' message through the lens of those words, we may see that he's warning many of us about the danger of trusting only in ourselves and convincing ourselves that our position and privilege is a sign that we've already done all we need to do to take part in the heavenly country. He is again clarifying his mission and inviting us to join him by reminding us that it is the responsibility of those of us with, posi- with, with positions of power and privilege to stand up for those who do not have it. He's reminding us that we don't define who is and who isn't blessed with our human standards and that God is at work through all of us. He's reminding us that when we rely only on ourselves or use our power and privilege only for our benefit, we will find ourselves walking on a path of woe and he is calling us to actively choose something different. What Jesus is doing here is asking us to turn our hearts towards God and walk a path of love. Love for God, love for one another. He compels us to love because the love of God that flows to us and through us can transform anything and anyone. Ultimately, the school board voted to allow the GSA to continue meeting. Several of the board members were intentional about pointing out that they walked into the room planning to vote a different way. They acknowledged that their eyes were open and their hearts were changed, not only by the voices of those they perceived as their equals, but mostly and most importantly by the young people whose experience they just couldn't relate to. They came to see their power in that moment differently and course-corrected to the side of justice, compassion, and connectedness instead of oppression, fear, and division. I don't know if any of those young people were believers, but I know that they are indeed blessed. And in turn, they were a blessing to the rest of us. What I saw In them, in that place, on that night, was a glimpse of heaven on earth. It was a reminder that the blessed are everywhere among us, and we need to see that. So later, when you come to the table, and every time you come to the table after that, I invite you to turn to the one who is the source of, of our nourishment, to the one who is the comfort in our struggle. Put 
your trust in God and remember that as we are blessed, we are also called to be a blessing to others. Remember that you are loved and that you were created to love. And then as I've said so many times before, go out from here and share it everywhere with everyone you can withholding nothing. My friends, this is my hope for you as I prepare to leave you. My prayer, my prayer is that you'll be like that tree Jeremiah speaks of, planted by the water, able to withstand the heat, always green and bearing fruit, sending its roots out by the stream to receive the life-giving blessing of God. And I pray also that you will seek new ways to be the stream that others reach for. Let God work through you and this place by giving of yourselves in service to others, by using all that you've been given to be a source of light and life so that others may thrive too. Trusting all the while that God is with all of you. Do that, I beg you. There is so much on my heart to say to you. We've experienced so much in what all of a sudden seems like a really short period of time. I've seen God show up in so many moments we've shared, and my faith is made stronger because of it. You've captured my heart, and I can't help but leave a piece of it behind with you, and I wouldn't have it any other way. You've all been so gracious to me and to Eric, and we are so grateful for all of you. I heard someone say yesterday that Two things can be true at one time. I get that because I'm excited to see what the Holy Spirit has in store for me and for all of you. And my heart is heavy to be leaving. But I actually take comfort in that. I take comfort in it because that weight I feel in my heart is proof that what we have, the love, the bond, the trust is real and strong and not something imagined or frail or phony. And for that, I give thanks to God and I give thanks for the blessing of being brought to this place. I'm better because of you and I'll carry you with me always. So now, with my whole heart, in honor of all that we've shared, I stand here one more time and I say, this is me sending love out to all of you 
today, tomorrow, and always.